You're listening to the Inner Process Podcast with your hosts, Mike Bond and Jason Van Ruler. We're seasoned counselors and friends, and each episode we discuss topics that help us live all around healthier lives. Listen in as we share personal stories, research, and our experiences as therapists. Thank you for joining us. So today, Jason and I are talking about trauma in childhood. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, I didn't really have any trauma in my childhood. I had a really good childhood. And we hope that you did. But we also know that sometimes we don't recognize trauma in our lives when we were growing up. And so our hope with this episode is to help educate, but also to help to give hope to any that are listening that might either recognize or not. Because oftentimes in our adult relationships, these things that we go through when we're younger are playing out. We just don't understand that that's what that is. And so we thank you as always for listening. If you are finding this helpful, we would ask that you please leave a review for us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you're so willing, tell a friend or two. Thanks. All right. Well, welcome back to the Inner Process Podcast. We are your hosts, as if you didn't know that already. There are no guests today. It's just us. So hopefully you stay tuned. So we are doing this season on trauma, as you guys have heard. And today, what we thought we would do is talk about foundational work around trauma and talk about how it impacts us as children. So a lot of the trauma I know, Jason, that you and I deal with in the counseling office begins somewhere in childhood. Certainly, there are those traumatic events that can impact us as adults. No doubt, we probably all know of those. If you're curious to hear more about some of that, just go back and listen to the episode right before this, where we clarify what trauma is and what it's not and how to spot it and all that kind of stuff. I will quickly say, though, that today, as we're talking about trauma, in case you haven't heard that episode, what we're really talking about in the childhood spectrum are those traumatic things that, yes, sometimes it's those single events or those really dramatic things like car accidents or major injuries or assaults active abuse, things of that nature. But we're also talking about interpersonal trauma, those things that fall in the category of sometimes of more passive trauma, like neglect, maybe a parent that's absent and not very present physically or emotionally, this type of thing. So all of that is included with what we're talking about today and its impact. So we just want to get that up front. So we kind of frame out contextually what we're going to do today. Yeah, absolutely. There's some things that are, I think, bright yellow highlighted. And then there's other things that are just underlined with a pencil, but both are trauma. Maybe harder to understand or harder to conceptualize, but the fact is both of them impact us. They do. And so as we talk about this, just kind of keep that in mind and you can be listening for maybe where any of this might impact your story or hit something in your story. So we wanted to start with the impacts of trauma. And some of these, I think, may be surprising to some because I think often we know what we know in the families that we grow up in. And so we go along and we're in our family environment. And, you know, I think it's not until we leave the family and sometimes not for a long time. And sometimes I think ever do we realize that some of those elements that maybe we were exposed to in the family were not healthy, right? Because it's just what you know. And so I thought we could start with trauma's impact on the brain. Because I think what maybe people don't realize is that when you go through traumatic things, even if, and maybe especially if they're chronically traumatic, right? Not not those big one-time things, but over long periods of time, it actually in children affects brain development. 
Mm. So it affects all of the brain. A couple of the areas that maybe we would highlight is the cortex. And then the way the right and left hemispheres of the brain communicate with each other, right? So what we want is for that communication process to be taking place, but trauma actually interrupts that process. And it also interrupts the development of the brain in some ways. And so while we keep growing and we become adults, and of course our brain keeps going and growing and developing and we have an adult brain, there are impacts even at the neurological level in our brain that need repair in order for us not to be living from those traumatic places when we get to be adults. So I think that's important. And we can get into a lot of the science of that. I think the disconnection of the two hemispheres of the brain is really, really important because that affects and impacts the way we experience. And so especially with traumatic things, the analytical part of our brain, which is more the left part of the brain, a lot of times it gets deactivated, right? So as an adult, you're going along and there's an event and it tends to trigger you in ways you're like, why am I getting so activated by this? And why does it seem like I've gone offline? Well, what's happened there is it has shut down parts of your brain. Like that's a blood flow issue. And Mm -hmm. so just to explain that, one other thing I'll say, and then Jason, you jump in, but often I'll talk to people about how our brains and our bodies, they get stuck in that fight or flight response. Doesn't seem like it. You might not recognize it as you walk around everyday life until a car backfires or something happens and you startle really easily. But our limbic system, especially our amygdala, can get stuck kind of in overdrive almost when things happen in childhood. And just because we're adults and we feel calm and peaceful doesn't mean behind the scenes that response is not still more active than it needs to be. So that's another one of the things that happens, at least in the brain, around trauma. To quote Saturday Night Live, which I know has a lot to do with what we're saying, you know, when you're in the hot tub, despite how it looks underneath the surface, there's a flurry of activity. If you've ever seen the hot tub scene with Will Ferrell, great scene, by the way. Haven't, but I appreciate you bringing that into this conversation. Yeah, so that's a totally unrelated reference, other than the fact that sometimes all this stuff is going on, we just don't notice it. And I find with clients that, and this is even me too, for some reason we're really apt to see the effects of something on our body. So if I said, if you're a kid and you ate junk food every day growing up, do you think that would affect your body? Most people are really quick to say like, of course, you know, you might be overweight or be diabetic or they can connect the dots. But when it comes to trauma in the brain, people really struggle with that. And I think it's because it's not immediately visible. Would you agree yeah. or think it's something else? I do agree with that. Plus, when it comes to the brain in general, just as the lay public, we don't know that much. And even scientists don't know that much about the brain. There's so much that we have yet to discover. They're discovering new things all the time with brain scans and all that. And I think that no, to your points are really good one, which is it's not really discernible as far as our bodies are concerned. And I think it's also not discernible in our actions. So, so often we attribute, I think, actions that are honestly trauma related, like anger, for example, to something else than what it really is at its core. And so in that way, I think we have multiple levels that we miss this as it shows up in our adult lives. Right. And so that keeps us stuck because it, it does. it's still happening and going on and our brain in a lot of ways is stuck. And then if we refuse to acknowledge it, unfortunately, that just keeps us even more stuck. And, and I think in that stuckness, the trauma also changes how we see ourselves a bit. Would you agree? Yeah, very much. We talked about this a little bit the last time, but it introduces other 
really impactful things like guilt and shame, right? Shame, we've talked about, we'll talk even more about that upcoming, but I mean, huge things that really impact the way we relate to others. Frankly, the way we don't relate to others, because for example, with shame, we know that makes us want to hide ourselves from others. And so trauma is the place where shame introduces itself and then becomes part of the equation for us as people. Right. Because we're trying to make sense of what's happened. And so I think, especially during childhood, it's easy to think as a child that it's about me, right? The universe revolves around me. And so obviously if something bad happens, it's because I did something. And I often think of it, Jody, my wife has this makeup mirror and occasionally I'll, I'll need a mirror for something. I'll look and one side is really, really close, right? So one side you can see every blackhead that you have and feel bad about yourself, which is wonderful. And then when you flip it over, it's way too far away. So it's either super close and you see every little thing or imperfection. And then the other one is just way too far away. And I think that's kind of how trauma affects us in our relationships is with Mm -hmm. ourselves. We look way too closely at things and we spot every little speck, but then in relationship to others, often we're a long ways away. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, I think that that ties to the shame piece too, because when we're looking so closely and we're finding those flaws, Mm -hmm. it's just reinforcing that message that we're not enough. Right. And so why do I want to move close to someone in the midst of that? Or if the mirror flips though, too, within that, often I'll talk to clients, trauma is this prism that kind of refracts light in the wrong direction, right? So data comes into us from others, but it gets turned Mm -hmm. and it doesn't hit us square on. And so then we react though, as if it is, and now we have all kinds of issues, right? From communication problems to other things. I think that's really on a relational level. That's my best picture of what trauma often does is it really changes the focus of how we receive data from other people and what we think they're after and are they safe and all of those types of things. And what's interesting, like you said, is that we don't always even notice it unless we talk to somebody outside of our family system. I mean, I know there's some faith traditions where it's very, very strict and then they get some time to go out into the world and they're shocked by how the world lives. And I think everybody goes through this to some degree on a more nuanced level, but we don't know what's normal or what's not normal or what's painful without really comparing it to something. And so all of the stuff can be going on and we just think like, oh, it's just how we grew up. And certainly I know I've experienced that working with some people where they think some stuff that's just pretty typical for them might not be impactful when it actually is pretty impactful, but they don't know that until someone says it. And I think that underscores the community piece that we talk so much about because until you are around others and not only around them, but engage with them in a way where they can know you and you can know them. Oftentimes I don't think we have this experience so much of like, wait a minute, I wonder why I do that. And that was normal in my family. I think probably now is a good time in talking, especially about relationships to talk about attachment, because this is one of the hallmarks of childhood trauma, which, you know, we're focusing kind of on the childhood piece today. And I don't know how many listeners out there are aware of attachment attachment theory. I guess we can talk about that really quick and go through that. So essentially, attachment is that in our very early formative years, they say 0 to 18, it's certainly, I think, longer than that. But basically, the way our caregivers are with us, in other words, are they safe? Do they provide for our needs, provides a stable 
place for us to attach them. So we come to believe about people through that experience that people are safe. I can share what I need and they'll be there for me and vice versa. So that's secure attachment. That's what we all are seeking. That's what we're seeking, but it's, it's what not what we ought to get. Right? Which, which always reminds me, and you probably know this too, but like even working with people who've been through adoption who are adopted yes. the first day of their life, they can suffer with some of this stuff, even though they're like a one day old baby. Yes. But it's because the first lesson we're learning is that the people who are primary in my life are people that I can't count on. Now, that's not to put down anyone that's given up a child for adoption because that could have been the exact right thing to do. But that attachment piece, we learn about how the world's going to work through those primary relationships. With the trauma piece, it's all about safety and stability. And this really can monkey around with it. And it creates, I think, like you said beautifully, that prism effect where all of a sudden stuff's twisted up a little bit. To understand how trauma really impacts us as kids and then as adults, in our opinion, I know you have to understand the attachment piece because attachment forms the basis for how we move into our relationships or if we move into them. Because if we perceive them as unsafe, we are going to guard ourselves. We're not going to move into them wholly. And there are different types and styles to attachment. I don't know if you want to say those, if we should talk about those, but. Yeah. um, I mean, I think what it comes down to is just a lot of fear and just really the feeling that it's unsafe to take a risk. And so people walk that out in different ways. Some people are quick to run. Some people are slow to get in relationships. So there's all these different types of attachment, but those different types and problematic types, if you will, they wreak havoc on relationships. So that that might mean you're never in relationship or you're in too many or they burn out quickly, but over time, you'll start to see some patterns. Right. Maybe hopefully what people can take away today is what are some of the things in my adult life that might be indicators that potentially there is trauma further back in my background? Some might be really clear about that. You know, like I went through this series of things and I know that that was really impactful on me. Others may not. Some of the stuff that we're talking about, though, especially how we are in relationships can often, I think, be the very best indicator or can provide the best doorway to walk through and understanding, hmm, I wonder if there was, for example, some type of injury attachment-wise that might be impacting the way I relate to others and if there's fear there. Yeah, absolutely. And then what is the playbook that I learned from? So I learned about relationships through those primary relationships with mom and dad. What did I learn? Did I learn healthy stuff that's going to help me to be in good relationship with other people or not? And so I think if you struggle there, you'll start to notice, like you said, through the vehicle of relationships, that there's actually some problems that are probably connected to trauma and attachment issues. Why do you think people struggle to get even to that place? Because I think that makes a ton of sense, but so many people struggle to even get there. Why is it hard to say, yeah, I might have some trauma stuff going on, or I might have some attachment wounds, in your opinion? Why do you think people struggle with that? Multiple reasons come to mind. I think the first is that um, maybe not understanding that trauma doesn't have to be that you were in a war in a foreign country and something really serious like that happened to you. I think maybe not understanding really the word trauma and its implications in the way that we can all be exposed to trauma even in what looks like everyday scenarios growing up. So that's one thing. I also think that if we get to that step where we say, you know, I might've had some trauma in my background, 
that tends, in my experience, to produce a lot of conflicted feelings for people. Because then usually the next, I don't know about you, the next statement typically is, but my parents were really good people and they did the best job they could. And it was actually a really loving household. And, you know, they took us to soccer games. And so it's that litany of things that their parents did well, which all of that's true. It's absolutely true. We're not talking about this in black and white terms. We're just saying it's those things plus other things. Because we are fallen people and we cannot show up for one another 100% of the time. Like we cannot do that perfectly. And somewhere in there sometimes, even in subtle ways, there are injuries that we incur that are traumatic to us that no one intends. Most parents don't set out to do anything like this at all. In fact, many parents are really good and there still is trauma. So I think people probably don't understand how trauma can out or what it can look like. But I also think people often feel conflicted when they might say, especially about childhood things, hey, yeah, maybe there were some really impactful things because now I have to maybe kind of internally deal with, well, where's that put me as far as my parents are concerned, where I thought were really good parents. So I don't know if you have others or if you see those too, but those are the common ones. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think how I'm viewing this is it activates that shame cycle. So a lot yeah. of times I'll see that. I will, okay, like if this is possible, then that means that maybe I'm not to use Roar's language, the, the loyal soldier, loyal son. I'm not anymore, right? Because now I'm saying there's a problem. So again, then that problem must be with me. And so if there's a problem, we start that shame cycle and it becomes really difficult to ask for help because it must mean that something's inherently wrong with us. Yeah, that's very well said. That cycle is important to note because it is hard to get off that because every time you spin around that, there's more and more power. Mm -hmm. And so what do we do with that? We take the things that really are concerning to us in our everyday lives and we ignore them, push them aside, try to deny them or we just stay busy. Like, you know, these types of things, I think in the ways that trauma can show up instead of being curious about them. Listen, curiosity is easy to talk about. Hey, I want to be a curious person. I I want to ask myself why I do those things. But when the rubber meets the road, I'm not not so fast, my friend. I'm really curious about you and your problems. (laughs) I'm not as curious about my own. Not as curious about my own. No, No. way easier to to look outward. Yeah, because it means something. And, And so we're talking about seeing this relationship, but I also think it shows up even in different areas in terms of coping. I mean, that's something you and I really specialize in, right? So how do you see this in terms of coping or maybe even addictive behaviors? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely addictive behaviors. I think that when you have trauma in your background, basically what that leads to is the need to medicate or not, right? So often because it produces some really powerful things inside of us on an emotional level. And so at some point, we typically go seek for ways to medicate against that. It's like if you have a headache, probably at some point, you're going to start thinking about ibuprofen because I need this to go away. Yep. And so you start seeking that. And a lot of times it's a completely not consciously thought out thing. It's a lot about what's available to me and what I see around me, what's modeled to me, those types of things form that. Addiction certainly is one of those, but it doesn't have to be at an addiction level. You know, I think oftentimes people develop performance, for example, like, you know what, I'm going to do really well in school. I'm going to be the top of everything. And so that keeps me away from those more difficult places because I'm getting 
a lot of affirmations for those things. And then I can just kind of skip along the top of it, for example, or busyness. I mean, our whole culture is living in an overly busy state. Speak for yourself. I've got nothing else to do. I'm just hanging out. Why don't you share your agenda with us today? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We get into that, right? It's about healing. Because one way or another, we're either going to fix the wound or we're going to medicate it. Yep. Or stuff it, I guess, and just try to ignore it. But it comes out sometimes that addictive behavior, problematic behavior. So I guess the question that I come to then is, why are we telling everybody this, Mike? So this is not sounding awesome. Why are we telling people this in the first place? So it can ruin everyone's day? Is that the answer you're looking for? Well, that's actually, that's my agenda. I don't know about yours, but that's what I'm shooting for. Well, that's what we're going for in this podcast. As few listeners as possible. Not exactly. Now, I think the reason we're doing this is because every day in our offices, we help people or we try to help people recognize the signs of trauma in their lives, but also with that, then do something with it so that they can have hope, right? Hope is what keeps us going. That's why I do what I do. I think it's why you do what you do. And we get along so well as we're together on that. We are. And so speaking of hope, I hope that in this series of podcast episodes around trauma, that maybe it helps people identify things that they possibly didn't know were traumas because knowledge is power in this sense. If we come to understand something better, we then I think can actually do something with that thing instead of being at such a loss like, why do I keep doing that? I, I don't understand, but I'll just move to the next thing. And okay, we'll put that aside, right? But in the meantime, our relationships suffer. We internally suffer. Our relationship with God suffers. Like, I think that's why we're doing this is to help other people recognize what it looks like, but also hear the message clearly today. If nothing else, there's a lot that can be done about these things if you start to recognize that it's true for you. Absolutely. I'll speak for myself, but I wouldn't do this job if it weren't for hope because I believe it can be better. I've seen it get better. Um, Personally experienced a lot of healing. And so if you're hearing this and you're going like, okay, now my my brain's screwed up and I've got attachment problems, that doesn't sound awesome. And you can do a ton of work around that and change some of those old rules. Mm -hmm. I know we've talked about changing the rules and this is just kind of one other area where we would do that. But I think the first part is just acknowledging it could be what's going on. And so if you hear this and you're thinking like, oh man, I kind of relate to that. Maybe it's time to start being curious. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Curiosity doesn't necessarily have to cost as much. It just requires us to ask some questions. Yes. And be open to what the answers might be because maybe sometimes they're difficult. Yeah. And sometimes we have to look in that mirror and sometimes we realize the mirror is skewed. And so we have to figure mm-hmm. out what we'll do with that. And so I think as we continue through the season, we're just going to be, again, examining some of how this affects us. But the piece that's probably really important to Mike and I is, what do we do about it? So we can talk mm-hmm. about the problem all day, and that's valuable. But then at some point, we want to shift and we want to say, like, what do we start to do about this? So I think today, the kind of key takeaway is maybe you relate to some of this. Maybe you mm-hmm. don't. Maybe you're just trying to figure out why I made a Saturday Night Live reference that wasn't that funny. Whatever it is that you're taking away from this. I think a little bit about and maybe ask yourself a question or two. And from here on, we're going to try to talk about, well, this is something that's present, you know, just to let you know, it probably is present in your life. But if you think this could be present, what do we do about that? Yeah, that's well said. I think that maybe from today, know that trauma is not this theoretical concept, right? That just is, oh, just it's our mind or something, some psychological thing. 
mean, trauma very much impacts our bodies, the neurological makeup of our bodies. It impacts us at a very developmental level. And so to try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps when it comes to this stuff does not work. And so we should not do that because it just leaves us perpetually frustrated and those around us frustrated. Yep. I love that. It's a burden and you don't have to be so burdened. You can let some of that go. And so we're kind of here just to give you permission to take a look at it and to do some of the work of letting that go. Yes. Well, we hope everyone hears this and are doing well. We would just challenge you today as you come out of this episode to maybe think for just a couple of minutes about, can I relate to any of this? Or do I know someone in my life or care about someone in my life that might have some of this going on? And if so, what does that mean for us? And what are next steps? As we go through the series, we'll be talking more about that. And as you listen to this, if you have questions that are coming up or there's things that you'd rather hear more about, meaning I'm really wondering about this element of trauma, let us know. We would love to do some episodes on that and talk about the stuff that's of interest to you. So hope everyone's doing well. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We'll see you next time. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. Mike and I would also like to ask that if you've been enjoying the podcast, could you share it with a friend? We've loved getting all the feedback and comments thus far. Thanks. 